Hey, it's me, Sean. Welcome to today's podcast. We are halfway through our mini series on goal setting and it's the end of the year. It's the time of year to do this kind of thing. I hope that this is bringing value and I just love this stuff personally. I find it so cool. It's one of my favorite parts of the business, scratching my head and trying to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to get where I need to be this year, next year, two years, five years. And by now, if you've been following along, you should have an idea of what your actual goal is. The last episode was an exercise I like to run with people to help them figure out not just what they need to do this year, but how this year relates to the next few years and how to make sure that what you're doing is actually putting you on pace. So by now you should have an idea of what your goal is this year. And today what we're doing is we're actually looking at the finances behind it. We all know that real estate can seem like a really weird business to predict. It's so random. And sometimes one or two deals, actually often one or two deals might be the difference between you having a slam dunk year and completely missing your targets. I've, I've had some transactions I've written in my career that have been, you know, six figure commissions. And those are really exciting, but you don't rely on those. What you rely on is creating a sense of what you need to do in regular transactions. So your average deal, to get to where you're going. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at how we do that. And the way that we do that is something called a pro forma. Okay. So a pro forma, what is that? Well, a pro forma is a set of calculations that you make either using historical data or a set of assumptions. And, and we want to use the best assumptions we can make. We want to be as realistic as we can. I'll talk about that more later. And what we do is we kind of break down our process to figure out what we need to do on a daily or weekly basis in order to reach our quarterly or annual goals. Okay. So all we're doing is we're saying, Hey, well, if these are the main points in my real estate business's sales process, what do I need to see at each point realistically for me to be on track to reach my goals? That's, that's it. It's pretty simple. And we use this in business planning to forecast. So we're going to say, okay, you know, if I want to do 20 deals, what do I need to do each week to be on track to do my 20 at the end of the year? What's cool is once you've done this, you can actually go back and look at what you did and you can compare what you thought was going to happen with what actually happened. And you can use it to kind of reverse engineer how you made out. And then with the true numbers moving forward, you can look at next year with a lot more accuracy. So it's a really cool way not only to look forward into your goals in the future, but to look backwards and realize how well you're doing and where you have the opportunity to improve and also make adjustments. Say, Hey, you know, like we've got a clear drop off at this one point. Let's dig in there, right? Like if I can take this from, you know, a three to a five, what does that look like? I'll explain more as we go. Okay. So how do we create a performa? Well, this isn't something that is unique to real estate not one little bit. A performa is something that has been around in business long before we figured out how to apply it to real estate. This is used in all forms of business. Um, a great example of a performa, if you're a realtor who hopefully paid attention in school or maybe has taken a course on appraisal, we look at a rent roll on an apartment building, right? Like if you've ever looked at doing commercial deals, a rent roll is a great example of something that really can be integrated into a performa. When you're purchasing a commercial building, 
you're buying a lot more on the numbers than you're buying on the aesthetics or you know what updates the homeowners made the, the homeowners made or you know if you like the tile when you're buying a commercial building you're looking at the gross revenue you're looking at the expenses associated with the building you're looking at any upcoming um, like problems that you might need to invest in you're looking at what they're forecasting on x y and z and then you get net revenue and you you look at that versus risk and and that's what you're going to base your purchase price on well when they sell a commercial building a lot of the time the the, the sellers will create a pro forma they'll say hey you know here's what we have in our rent roll now but you know if you were to do this and that and this you could actually increase it to blank and so this is something that we see all over the place. How do we apply it to real estate? Well, in real estate, I've got an interesting business, right? It fluctuates a lot. There's all these key moments. It can feel really emotional when you're dealing with people. So how do we, how do we break it down to something simple? Well, the first thing that you need to do is figure out what your actual revenue needs to look like in order to net what you want. So most of us set goals as, uh, in the context of what we want to take home from the business, right? A classic example, I, I love this, and it's a weird one. Real estate agents, when they first get their license, always have a number in their mind. And I've been coaching real estate agents, you know, either in my team or professionally for well over a decade now. Like I've been bringing a lot of people into this business and you always ask, right? You're like, okay, well, what, what's your goal? Because that shouldn't come from me, it's your money, right? So you ask them and it has always been $100,000. The reason I laugh is like we're living in this crazy inflation environment. I'm waiting for it to be 250 or you know, I really need something crazy, but it's always 100. I don't know why. It's just like this round number that people are like, if I could do 100, that'd be great, I guess. It's been like that forever. That's what they want to net, right? The problem is if you sell $100,000 of commission in real estate, and you look at your taxes at the end of the year, you will be woefully disappointed at what you actually brought home. I'm just gonna spoil it for you. This is a really expensive business. This is a really expensive business. So, you know, getting into it, one of the things that's really important is that you, you need to realize right away that in order to net that, you're gonna have to make a lot more money. Sorry, okay? so. In real estate, we have expenses. There's money that we spend in order to run our business. And that's just normal business stuff. And in real estate, we have two main categories, okay? So we have regular expenses. These are things that you pay to stay in business. There might be monthly fees at your brokerage. You're paying for gas in your car. You're, you're getting printer paper. You're buying cards. There's just all this crap that you gotta spend money on. No problem, right? And then there's a second category that a lot of people aren't sure how to manage. And the second category is cost of sales, right? So this is any cost that's associated with closing a deal. So a cost of sale would be, for example, the splits or fees associated with your brokerage or your team, wherever you hang your hat in real estate, they usually are gonna take some kind of a percentage off of every deal. Pretty normal model in real estate. Not all of them do, but most of them do, okay? Uh, another example could be, uh, well, like a team, I think I mentioned that a minute ago, but just in case I didn't, if you're on a team, they are a cost of sale to you. Similarly, and in reverse, you are a cost of sale to them because before they get the commissions on the buyers that they gave you, they're gonna have some of it go to you. So there's a cost of sale on both sides. Another example is a referral check. I send you a referral, 
you close the deal, 25% comes to me or whatever the rate is, well, that's a cost of sale. Okay, so there's two main categories. And what we found is that usually mid-sized to large businesses will usually see both their expenses and their cost of sale being around 30%. This was studied in a book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, has been around for years. It's held true for a really long time. Um, there are some, some different numbers I shared in my blog. I'm not gonna rattle off numbers because it's just gonna be confusing. But dip, you know, the, the cost of sale and the expenses will usually add up to about 60% of your gross revenue. So the majority of your money goes out the window in real estate. So imagine for a moment, you're that, you know, fresh behind the ears, ready to get started, all excited, new agent getting into real estate and you want $100,000. Well, if you have a 60% uh, expense ratio, right? That means that you actually need to gross $250,000. Scratch your head for a sec. That's, that's a lot more than most people would have probably thought. Now, that will probably be true for a new agent. You probably will spend about 30% on cost of sales because that's what most brokerages will add up to. And you know, there'll be some other stuff that comes up. You probably will spend 30% on expenses. I know you think you're smarter than that, but I'm just gonna level with you. Like stuff adds up, it adds up fast. Maybe you'll get away with less. I hope you will, but plan for it. Okay, just trust me. Okay, once you get up to being a mid-size agent, say that you're doing 250 to 500. If you're super frugal, I've seen people do much better. It is absolutely possible to net, uh, to, to crunch that 60% down, quite a bit actually. So we'll talk about it from the other side, right? Like what you actually take home. Well, in the last example that I shared, you were netting 40%. Okay, so you take 60% out of 100%, there's 40% less. I've seen some people net 50, 60, 70. I've met some agents that got as high as 75. Usually that's gonna be someone who's doing like six, 700,000 alone. You don't have an assistant. You're doing all your own homework. You're, you're driving your signs around and pounding them into the ground. Like that's you doing absolutely every little bit of the transaction in your real estate business, which is a great way to do it, okay? It doesn't mean that you're working, you know, like, a, 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 like terribly hard. It just means that you found a way to use systems that you built that really just cleans everything out of your path. Flip, the, flip it to the other side and talk about a growing team. Imagine the agent in your office, you see them, you're like, wow, how do they do it? They're amazing. They've got all this stuff going on. They've always got ads, they've got this. You know, they've got five buyers agents, three admins. They've, they're really doing great. Well, guess what? A lot of the time, those teams are netting way less than the 40% that I said was kind of the, the standard line we see most people fall at. And I'm not kidding, I've been there. A lot of these teams are netting less than 20%. A lot of them are netting less than 10. If they're in growth mode and they're just pumping money into their business, it flies out the window. Okay, so don't worry about that right now. If I was a new agent, I was doing my math, I'd base it on me netting about 40, 50% max, okay? So take the number you wanna earn, you divide it by the, the net percentage that you're going to have and it'll pop up into that larger number okay so here we are we know that we need to net a lot more than we need we need to gross a lot more than we're gonna net and we know what that number is now well how the hell do you get there right we know that we have this gross revenue number but how do we break that down into a weekly thing do I just go out in the world and I'm like okay well 
you know, I plan to work about 50 weeks this year. So 50 weeks and 250,000, I need to do whatever number every single week. Well, not really, because it's not tangible to go out of your door every day saying, I need to find $5,000 this week, right? We need something a little more uh, obtainable. And in real estate, commissions are kind of set behind this delayed process, right? If I have a buyer who's ready to go today, well, I still gotta take him around in my car. We gotta do a needs analysis. I gotta make sure their financing is ready. I find a property, we might not get it. I might need to do that whole thing again. And then I get it and the home inspection's a problem. We negotiate for another week. And then finally I secure the deal and I still gotta wait 60 days to get paid. So what can I do this week that's actually tangible? That's the big question. Well, I'm breaking down a little bit. You look at that big number you need to earn and you say, okay, well, that big number is something that I do in a year, but what's my normal paycheck look like? I know I need $250,000, but what do I earn every time that I walk out my door? Or sorry, every time that I close a deal. So let's say that it's 10,000 bucks, you just break it down into how many deals you need to write. That part's pretty obvious, okay? And then what we wanna do is we wanna look at those deals and we wanna say, okay, well, what do I, what can, what can I do that's tangible to get to that deal on a weekly basis? And the answer we found in real estate is appointments. And I did a whole series on appointments. We can go back and dig in on there if you're, you're interested. But appointments are kind of the, the key tangible moment where you have the opportunity to convince someone. And what happens after that is it just goes one of two ways. Either the appointment goes really well and you secure the deal, or the appointment doesn't go well enough and you don't secure the deal. But if we can focus on the appointment moment, well, that's a good tangible moment to base some of our assumptions around. So in real estate, what we do is we take that number of transactions and we try to figure out from that, how many appointments do I need to go on in order to make that money happen, okay? And what we call this is a conversion ratio. So you look at your business and you say, okay, well, let's think for a moment. Let's say that I had 10 qualified sellers who I met with. So I go out and I sit down, we're at the kitchen table, I do my whole spiel, I, I do the song and dance, I walk them through what I'm gonna do, I, I know that they're motivated, they are gonna sell, and out of those 10, how many times do I have a signed agreement with me when I get back in my car? Is it seven? Is it six? Is it eight? It's never 10, so don't, don't fool yourself. No one signs every single deal that they have the shot at. That's ridiculous. So what we, what we need to do is, is look at those ratios. Unfortunately, that's not the only one. What I've found is that in addition to that, you also look at how many of those signed transactions you get, and you should be asking yourself how many of them end up closing because not all of them are gonna close. Sometimes your price isn't gonna be realistic. Sometimes the, the owners of the home just change their mind. Sometimes people go crazy on you. Like all kinds of things are gonna to happen to you in your long and exciting career in real estate. So what's that ratio, right? Maybe you need, instead of, you know, if you, if you need 10 listings, or sorry, if you need 10 appointments to sign with you, you might need to go on 14 appointments to get the 10 signatures. And then if you wanna close those deals, if you need 10 closed deals, those 14 appointments might bounce up to another number. So what we find is that it kind of grows. And I made a decision before I started shooting this that I was not going to try to explain the math because I don't have something that I'm writing on here. This is a podcast, really, okay? 
What I can do though, is I can offer you a download. I've got a video where I take this whole equation, I break it down and I do it all in a series of steps with slides. There's a worksheet that comes with it. So for people who are listening to this, if you want, um, it's, what is it? It's the end of 2023. From now to the end of 2023, anyone who wants this video, just shoot me an email or reach out to me here, drop a comment, get in touch with us somehow, and we'll get you a copy of the video, we'll send you the worksheet, and you can just go through that. Fun, fun truth too, in, in the next couple months, we also have a couple business planning clinics that we're hosting where we're gonna do this live and we'll be able to answer questions and, and stuff like that. So um, feel free to hook up with us, we'd love to have you. Okay, so how do we actually figure out what the most important parts are? Well, for me, I really think that those key points, the number of appointments that turn into signed contracts and the number of signed contracts are the ones that turn into closed deals are important. I think those are the most important transactional moments. Depending on your market, depending on your business model, there might be a few others. For example, we have um, pre-construction teams that we work with sometimes. And in pre-construction, a, a lot of uh, a lot of regulatory bodies will provide a cooling off period. So they might have a 10 day period in which they can rescind the contract. If I was focused on pre-construction, I would make that a key conversion point. In my business, I run a coaching company. It's totally different. So every business is gonna have key conversion points. And usually what you'll find is there's two or three where there's a significant drop off, where if you can hone your process, if you can better educate your clients, and if you can better prepare the way that you manage things and better present to them, well, you're gonna reduce the number of drop off, okay? So every year, I have this little tradition that I do. I sit down, I say, oh, this is so confusing. You just saw it, I tried to explain it, and, and it, it's kind of funky, right? Well, what I do every year is I look at the model that I've used historically and I say, how could I make this better? One of the things that I always ask myself is how can I make it more simple, right? One thing that I've seen that I think is really neat is just removing all the points in the entire conversion process and looking at the thing you do every day and the number of deals you close. For example, one of the, the ways that I've calculated conversions in the past is number of conversations had. So the number of people that you speak to doesn't matter. It's your, your, you called your mom, you knocked on your neighbor's door, just raw conversations and money. That's an interesting one. Hey, guess what? If you want $500,000, you're gonna need to have X number of conversations. Kind of cool. Anyways, um, it leaves a lot to speculation if you go that wide. I've also seen people do like, hey, you know, like how many conversations do I have results in how many leads, how many leads results in how many what's it called. And it just gets so confusing where there's so much opportunity to fudge up the numbers if you're not paying enough attention, then like you could end up making a couple assumptions that are a little off and totally blowing it. So you also don't wanna to put too many. So every year I sit down and I do this. And I'm like, okay, no, I'm gonna make it better. I'm gonna, I take this old model that I've used and I convince myself that I'm gonna rebuild it in a way that makes more sense. I'm gonna take one half of it off and clean it up. And when I say this old model that I'm using, I'm referring to a model that I took from a book. And specifically the book, I'm gonna give the shout out because I literally have not been able to build something better than this, even though it's like probably 30 years old plus. It's perfect. 
I just haven't been able to find a way to make it better and I've been trying every year for a long, long, long time. So the book's called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, written by Gary Keller. Amazing book, if you haven't read it, it's gospel to a lot of people, including myself. I think it's brilliant the way that they've broken the business down in this book and the way that they address the pro forma of building a real estate business is just as good as it gets in my perspective and they call it an economic model. So you can go to that book and buy the explanation. You can just go do it. We also have a download we're offering. If you want to grab our download, just reach out to us. We'll get it to you. Um, We've got a whole video explaining how to do it with some extra goodies in there. So we're happy to give that to you. And really what they do is they take your revenue that you want to net. They help you build it into gross revenue. So they show, okay, well, that's actually what you need to, to gross to get it. Then they help you calculate how much you're going to spend in both cost of sales and in your expenses. And then they take gross revenue, break it into commission. So they say, okay, well, what's your average commission? And then from that, you know how many deals you need to write. Then they split it between the side of, of closing buyers and closing sellers. And they work you through those key conversion points that I was mentioning. And what they end up giving you is a number of appointments. It's kind of funny because usually what'll happen is you'll say, okay, I need this many deals. In order to get this many deals, I need this many um, signed contracts. In order to get this many signed contracts, I need this many appointments. And at the bottom, usually what happens is there's this big number of appointments and you're like, oh God, I need 60 qualified appointments between buyers and sellers in order to reach my, my, my goals. Like, ugh. And then <laughs> you remember that there's 50 weeks in a year. And you're like, well, hold on though, I just set a goal that my business was going to net whatever, $800,000 of, of income for me. And all I got to do is go on like one appointment every week and an extra one per month, like five appointments per month. Yeah, I think I can do that. Right. So it's kind of funny where it, it starts out really like upsetting almost, but then when you divide it down to a weekly basis, it makes you realize, this isn't too bad. So once you have this, the cool thing is that you get to work through actually living it. And I want to just share one tip. These conversion ratios make a huge, huge difference. So let's look at this. We've, we've built our performa. We've got all the numbers. Again, I'm not going to try to explain it verbally because my brain's going to break and I can't imagine what will happen to yours. If I try to make that work, it's not going to work. So, Grab the video if you need some resources or you have a question, reach out. We're always happy to chat about this stuff. Uh, it does really work though. I wanna share a tip for creating any performa. And this is actually a tip that I got from golf. In golf, there's all these little hazards built into your experience, right? Like that's the point of golf is they make it look easy to get your ball down there, but then there's a sand trap and there's a little fish pond. There's all these things that are gonna try to eat your little ball and your goal is to keep it safe. Well, hitting golf balls is fun. You wanna hit these things so badly, these dimply little jerks just taunt you, right? So you just wanna swing like crazy at these things. You'll see a little creek up ahead and you'll be like, man, I've hit further than that before. I'm gonna hit it over that creek. But usually in golf, the smart thing to do isn't to try to whack it as hard as you can and, and make it a miracle shot every day. Usually the smart thing to do in golf is play conservatively. So you, or sorry, plan conservatively. What you wanna do is say, you know what? I only hit it that far from time to time. And if I mess it up and it comes a little short, I'm in the creek, I have to drop another ball and I'm gonna be further back on my score. 
So instead of trying to, to plan this incredible shot every time, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna plan conservatively, but then I'm gonna play aggressively, okay? I'm gonna play as hard as I can, okay? And what that does is it means that when things do go wrong, you don't end up in hot water as often. Do the same thing in your real estate business and you'll thank me. A lot of people, when they start to plan their conversions, they assume that they'll be better than they currently are. So they'll say, you know, Sean, if I went on 10 listing appointments, I can't imagine that I'd lose more than two of them. And let me tell you, buddy, if you're not a seasoned, scripted, experienced professional with a whole bunch of great marketing material, someone like me is gonna kick your butt and you're gonna lose way more than 20% of the appointments you go on. That's just a fact. There's a lot of really, really great real estate agents out there. It's competitive. So plan conservatively. And when I say plan conservatively, what I'm saying is assume that you're gonna suck. I tell new agents all the time, if you're in a competitive market, I would assume that you're probably gonna get 50% of your listing appointments on the high end. I traded in Toronto. We have 80,000 realtors competing for every listing, 80,000 board members in Toronto. I would routinely go in against five, six agents. Half of them are dropping their commission. A bunch of them are throwing in stuff. There's one agent who used to put people up in an Airbnb while he listed their house. It's crazy out there and you shouldn't assume that things are gonna go perfectly all the time. Instead, what you should do is you could assume that things are gonna go poorly. And that's not to be negative, that's to be realistic. Because guess what? If you assume that it's gonna be hard and you plan conservatively for that reason, you're gonna set a higher goal on appointments because that's how the math is gonna work out. You're gonna, you're gonna set a goal that you do more. And what's gonna come out of it is that one of two things. One, you're either gonna find that you were better than your conservative estimate and you're gonna get more money, which is great. Or two, you're gonna find little ways along the way that you can improve and that in turn will make your life easier. But you don't want to assume the best and then show up empty handed because you didn't do enough to generate opportunities. The other thing here is that play aggressively piece, right? So we say plan conservatively, play aggressively. And guess what? If you're playing aggressively, what that means is that you are honing yourself during the year. So you build this performer, you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to work my butt off, man. Like I've got a big goal. I wanna make amazing things happen for me and my family. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna just find all those appointments. And I'm also gonna plant my seeds before I'm hungry, right? Like I'm gonna say, hey, I've got all these appointments I know I'm gonna get this year. And I also wanna know that I'm not gonna have to kill myself again next year to make this happen. And I wanna do better than I thought I was gonna do when I wrote that performa. So what I'm gonna start doing now before I'm at these appointments is I'm gonna start building my skills up. I'm gonna build a better offering. I'm gonna make sure that I'm competitive in my market. I'm gonna do all the things that will give me the highest ratio possible. So I'm, I'm gonna play aggressively by investing in myself. And what's gonna happen is you're gonna surprise yourself. You're gonna do better, hopefully. And that is the magical thing about business. I love business. And one of the coolest things is looking at these ratios and looking at the outcomes that you can create and trying to figure out how to make it better. I'll give a personal example. In my coaching business, we were looking at uh, a, a seminar series we're launching and it's a sales seminar. And what we're doing is we're trying to convert people out of it. And we looked at it like, okay, what if we just took raw people, like just anyone who we could convince to come to a webinar 
and we built conversion ratios based on the way that our pipeline works to try to figure out what we would need to, to make sure that we hit our goals. And we were super conservative. We were like, well, it's a worst case scenario at every point. And what we ended up with was we had to get 38 people every week to come to these webinars. And the people we're targeting are busy people. They're not easy to get to come to this kind of thing. So guess what? That was a little bit disappointing. So then what we did was we pulled back and we said, oh goodness, this sucks. 38 people every week. I don't want to do that. How can I do something smarter? And what we came up with was we said, well, what do we think the conversion ratios would look like? Again, staying in worst case scenario, what do we think the conversion ratios would look like if instead of random people, we put qualified people? And we built out a bit of a qualifying criteria. We said, well, what if only, uh, only people who were planning to buy a product like ours were in these seminars instead of generic public people, right? Like instead of just generic people, we put in people who we know are actual buyers. They completely changed our conversion ratios and it took it down from like 38 to more like 10. So the numbers behind your conversions can make a huge, huge difference. And what you need to do is you need to look at your business plan and figure out how you can strategically improve your conversions and then in terms of skill, improve your conversions. And this is where business gets fun because business is a game. And these performas, this math that we're talking about, this is the language of the game of business. And if you can find little ways to, to make your plan better, and then along the way to make measurements and adjustments, right? What you're gonna find is that you can do way more once you've established a few things than you ever would have thought when you first got started. And isn't that kind of cool? Measure and adjust. Constantly be looking at what you've done and what happened. So look at all the key points and then make small adjustments. And you end up in this never, this constant never ending series of improvements. And over time, you take that 50% conversion ratio when you meet with a seller at their table to an 85 or a 90%. Well, that's pretty nice, trust me. When you do that, what it means is you either get to work less and have the same amount of money or work the same amount and have way more money, okay? So I hope that you enjoy this. I hope that you try to create some kind of performa for this business or for another business that you have or for any other opportunity that you think you could apply this to. It's a fascinating experience, it's challenging, it's kind of scary when you go through it sometimes, even, even just recently, I had one where I was like, this isn't gonna work. We gotta do something smarter than this. And we came up with something. That's part of the iterative process. If you want a copy of our goal setting sheet, I'm happy to share it with you. I, I, again, I think it's as good as it gets and I didn't create this. It's something that I've used for years. It's been taught to literally hundreds of thousands of people. I think the book has sold millions and millions of copies by now, great people. Um, I, I'm happy to share it with you in a little tutorial, or if it's still 2023 when you're listening to this, you know, come on out. We're, we're doing a bunch of live business planning clinics, and if, and if you respond to this and get in touch with us, we'll tell you how to register. We're doing this just as a way to help people get ready for the coming year. And as always, I'm excited for the next episode. We're gonna continue along our goal setting path. We're actually gonna be talking about how to generate the leads you need to make this all happen in our next podcast, so make sure that you hit like and you subscribe and all that good stuff. I'm grateful that you took the time with me today and I'm always excited to partner with people's success. So if we can do something to serve you, we would love to. 
Thanks for watching and we'll see you on the next one.